नमस्ते सो यस्टे वी स्पोक अबाउट द बिगनिंग्स ऑफ योगा विच इज प्राइमरीली वेन द इज ए कॉल विद इन नाउ दिस इज द टर्म शर्विंदर यूज कॉल फॉर द योगा ऑब्वियसली इट इज एन इनर थिंग इट इज एन इनर फीलिंग एंड दिस फीलिंग इज डीपर दैन दस जस्ट द सर्फेस इमोशन दैट दिस इज वॉट वन वॉन्ट्स टू डू दिस इज वॉट वन इज बॉन्ड टू डू the more definitive this feeling is the more crystallized and clear the more one can say that the call has been received and now one has to walk the path so this is the main starting point and it starts with faith and aspiration which are the two lead powers that lead us on the way so this aspiration even this call is not uh, always felt so clearly it takes the form of an interest in the mind an attraction to the philosophical aspect or some other aspect an urge as i said to visit pondicherry to to pick up the books read them but the best preparation that one can do is apart from these while the call is not yet clear and distinct is to become conscious and by becoming conscious what is meant is to become conscious of the motives and why one is doing whatever one is doing so we'll see that the mind usually gives a very habitual justification and as we progress on the yoga the justifications become more and more subtle and as the mind develops they become more and more complex so one has to go behind all these and see things for what they are that's why a certain degree of spiritual realism as shobindra puts it is so important it keeps us on the one side grounded while we fly from the other wing because otherwise there is a tendency to get lost into all the haze and maze of the midworlds into some kind of a fantasy imagination and start believing that one is journeying so it's very important to ground ourselves to be very conscious of whatever motives are and this motive applies as much and even more rigorously to the very purpose of yoga why do we want to do the yoga as the mother puts it and we should be clear that yoga is done for the sake of the divine so this is the basic background when we are clear that we are not doing it for any other motive not for health not for this not for that not for getting an upadhi a degree or uh, you know or a certificate or or start our own uh, yoga factory then it's clear that well when we know that divine is the reason of our existence then it's very clear that we are meant for the path before that one is getting ready nothing wrong with that these are all steps and stages now once one has the call for the path then what processes and methods one has to do they come later so there are two kinds of processes we know that uh, in yoga practices uh, we see two processes involved primarily one is physical the second is psychological and there are some psychophysical also so as yoga evolves yoga itself has evolved from the hat um, yoga where the processes are primarily physical to raja yoga where there are psychophysical in the sense there are some psychological processes as well as there are some physical processes which includes breathing pranayama etc and then the yoga of the gita which is primarily psychological 
with a very little stress on the physical it's as human beings evolve they become aware of their subjective inner being they become aware of their thoughts feelings will yoga also grows becomes more and more subtle uh, in other words its take off point is um, it's high like shobinda says in our yoga we begin with the idea that the soul is involved in the mind so we start from that so the processes are primarily psychological it means that we have to understand our psychological apparatus lay it bare before the light and use whatever is there as part of this apparatus to discover and manifest the divine in life and in everyday activities how does this discovery start well it starts with the light so there are two kinds of light that we have one is faith and the other is aspiration so faith leads us to discover the divine because something in us if it has faith it will hold on faith is not a belief belief is a mental system belief is about what god is what is god is not it's about certain conceptions but for faith it is that there is the divine and he has called me to the path and therefore he will take me through it now this is faith it's not a structure of the mind so when faith is there and the will to persist through all the difficulties and challenges are there the person is destined to reach the path reach the goal whatever may happen on the way because it's a unique journey it's an adventure as the mother said but if these two things are there one is faith out of these most important is faith but if faith and the will will here is not uh, hesitating will today i'll engage in the practice and after two days i give up or i say are why why am i uh, why should i be doing this at all maybe you know other things are better uh, tries different paths so such a person actually arrives nowhere so faith and will faith that there is the divine faith that the divine has called me to the path and if he has called me to the path he will see me through it because primarily it become the responsibility of the divine who has called us to the path this is the faith that is required in the yoga and will which persist regardless of challenges and obstacles not only outside in the circumstances situation but in our own inner life which offers many more obstacles so if these two things are there we are ready for the flight then the thing that is most important as we just heard is aspiration aspiration is the fire agni it leads in the front so the fire of aspiration must be held in the front it it carries us through the journey now here again aspiration expresses itself differently in different parts of a being so the seat of aspiration is in the soul in the center of the chest and here the core aspiration is to become one with the divine that is the core aspiration of every soul because it has been separated for long for millenniums perhaps trillenniums and there comes a time when it wakes up to the divine reality and wants to rush into the divine and become one with the divine this is denied <laughs> with a purpose because then it will rush leaving nature behind that's why uh, especially in this yoga have that aspiration the core but it's not like there is an intense aspiration and one arrives that's why shobindo says do not have vyakulta vyakulta means restlessness so that's where the desire comes and mixes with the aspiration do not mix aspiration with ambition do not mix aspiration with any other demands so pure aspiration arises from the seat of the soul and it it basically bounces upward to 
unite with the divine or invert to join with the divine and it's beautiful uh, this is the most important aspect of the yoga but this aspiration can also manifest in the mind as a seeking for knowledge and it's not just knowledge um, through book knowledge and reading of things literature but true knowledge true knowledge means the knowledge which is there within us or which is above us and which can start revealing itself that's what the vedas are about and if the doors of this true knowledge are open then we can say that one has started reading the veda that is within us and the veda that is inbuilt within creation so true knowledge that's the way it takes shape in the mind in the heart it takes us <coughs> it takes the form of seeking for the divine beloved it's not just knowledge but the love that one has sought for but found nowhere the love that automatically draws one towards the divine and it is the shortest way as yesterday we were speaking because also because this emotional being is very close to the psychic being so um, if if love and devotion for the divine bhakti has developed then uh, one is very close uh, it can become a very powerful and swift way of entering into contact with the soul when shobindra was asked what is the way to discover the psychic being he said that love devotion bhakti surrender these are the ways which are the shortest ways one can go through the mind but that would mean going through a long long passage and quietening the mind layer by layer and then one gets a glimpse of the psyche both are, have their own place but the shortcut is uh, through the soul through the heart the heart has wings and not the head as the mother says now this aspiration can also be ignited in the vital there it takes the form of service to the divine so all otherwise the vital is the seat of ambition and uh, you know those kind of activities uh, possession and in the kind of joy of life so here the joy of life comes only in service when service to the divine starts giving us joy and service to the divine becomes the motive of our life itself then we may say that the vital has also been ignited by this fire and there are signs that when the vital gets converted that it does not care for its name fame um, etc but it just wants to serve the divine in whatever way whatever capacity many distractions come in each of these as the fire begins to burn the mind may be caught up into the illusion of knowledge uh, it may think that because i have read many books because i can speak or write therefore i have the true knowledge one has to be careful that uh, these things may be help on the way but they are not really the true knowledge uh, similarly the heart may um, feel that sometimes a kind of psychic emotion may arise within it and it may like to hear certain songs as bhajans and participate in these activities it may have the illusion of bhakti but bhakti is when nothing else gives us joy except the divine and his name and his works and his deeds and his exploits and when bhakti graduates into love it is about self giving completely to the divine similarly there may be an illusion of work where one is working say in an ashram set up or a center or somewhere but basically one still is having that ambition so this ambition of a certain seat or a power or a certain kind of activity which one thinks that is a superior activity and certain kind of activities which are inferior so even in an ashram setup you may find people who may want to sit on the uh, table and chair and work and may regard that people who work let's say in the dining room as someone inferior 
but uh, it means that one has not really understood the spirit of service because spirit of service is basically serving the divine by whatever means and in whichever way some people may think for example speaking is a big activity or a, or a high kind of service whereas um, uh, you know keeping the footwear in its place being at the gates of the ashram is the inferior service but it's not true we have to get rid of all these notions and this aspiration can also be lit up in the body when it is lit up in the body then the body no longer longs for comforts whether there is air conditioned or there is not air conditioned whether it's hot or whether it's cold whether it rains but it takes joy in uh, its um, limbs and all its organs uh, if i may say so being used at the service of the divine for worship of the divine its daily activities become a worship of the divine it's taking a bath it's uh, you know eating food uh, every activity going for a walk becomes a service to the divine and offering a joy so these are the ways uh, in which and the body also becomes more and more subtle it begins to automatically uh, grow into health and harmony it begins to uh, attract the forces of health and harmony at one place mother says this that those who uh, are here for service have to, no right to fall ill so it's so true because the body begins to aspire for the divine become more and more conscious so this aspiration slowly starts getting lighting up all the inner chambers and uh, the more the merrier uh, slowly each part which is untouched by this psychic fire begins to set a flame so we'll discover that here in this corner was a doubt which was hiding that is also lit up here in this heart there was something which was still attached to the ignorant movement there it is lit up here there was some ambition hiding behind my uh, so called service to the divine that is also lit up here is the ego of being the servant of the divine that is also lit up here the body is trying to say that well feel lazy uh, it is not going for work because it just feels not up to sorts and that is also lit up so it's a process <coughs> and this process goes on till the entire being becomes fire so we can imagine how far aspiration can go so but the seat of aspiration is always in the soul and in the soul it takes this form of giving itself to the divine obeying only the divine will living for the divine loving the divine and ultimately becoming one with the divine that's how the psychic aspiration and one can feel it in the heart so this aspiration is like a flame that has to be nurtured it's described in the vedas as the child offspring so it is the new birth so like any new child which uh, is born it is said that 21 days you know uh, you don't take the child here there show it to uh, expose the child to all kinds of forces so when the flame is small one has to nurture it so this newborn flame if it is taken out into the world one starts speaking about it oh this is so wonderful why don't you turn to mother and shirobindo and one starts meeting all kinds of people people who are not turned to the yoga or even if they are turned to the yoga are largely you know for various reasons we should be careful guard it like a treasure faith and aspiration are too sacred too special they need to be guarded they not something to be exposed so this kind of that's why in the beginning there are certain rules which uh, are not said rules but unsaid rules vital interchanges uh, meeting all kinds of people 
partying, celebrations, marriage, etcetera. Because this flame is newborn, it will be susceptible to all kinds of energies and forces which will try to stifle it. Uh, it's described in Savitri, in Krishna Avatar, Sri Krishna Leela, it is described that as Sri Krishna is growing, Putna comes, it offers all kinds of formula feed, then there are different forces you want to destroy it, storms, and etc. Now, nothing can really destroy, it is true. But yet, one has to remember that one should guard it very, very carefully. So, this is the aspect that aspiration and faith have to be guarded carefully against invasion or intrusion from all kinds of forces. So, this is about aspiration. This is the key, one of the key process. Here, it's important to remember that as we come in contact with the world, because as I have said, you have to guard and guard the aspiration, but one will come in contact with the world. And when you come in contact with the world, all kinds of um, waves are going to arise within us. Waves of feelings, thought suggestions, all kinds of things. So, what is the practice there? One of the most important practice, the base of this yoga is equanimity, peace and equanimity. So as so that we don't get disturbed by various things and we can maintain our inner equanimity in the face of disturbances, in the face of uh, things which are pleasant, in the face of things which are painful. It's a long practice and this equanimity, practice of equanimity itself uh, takes several forms. So at the physical level it takes the form of indifference. It's one way to practice equanimity. Be indifferent to all the things that are going around. It's a very good practice and I often give this example. Uh, I love to give this example of Nalnida as he was uh, you know, going on the road one day, one uh, sadhika suddenly stopped her and gave many insulting remarks. After some 10-15 minutes, he kept quietly listening. After that, he simply said, Is it over? Are you done? Can I go? And he just walked away. Now, this is in this kind of indifference, upeksha, prepares us. The second is, second form of equanimity comes from the vital. It is titiksha. It is the ability to bear the wounds of life, to endure. Many things will come. People, uh, situations, circumstances may try to hurt us. So, like a stoic, we have to endure them. If we start breaking down at everything, then the base, the Aadhar, uh, through which manifestation has to take place, is not ready. Then, in the mind, it can take a philosophical attitude. Philosophical attitude, by that I mean, that's how life is, that's how things are, things are imperfect, and it is idle to try and seek uh, solace or <laughs> you know uh, permanence or anything that lasts in the world, so the mind can take the attitude of the sage in practice of inner detachment, stepping back so that we don't rush in impulse to act and speak. These are all fundamental practices of yoga. So instead of the mind will teach us how to become a witness, how not to rush into things uh, at, the, at any impulse. And then it often justifies that impulse. For instance, one gets angry. One says that, well, so and so said this to me, therefore I got angry. So a philosophical uh, turn towards life. This is also one of the practices of uh, equanimity and it leads to an inner detachment, an inner peace, so that we don't go overboard with everything that is happening. 
A fourth practice through which equanimity can develop is resignation to the will of God. It's a kind of an acceptance of things. Things are what they are. Uh, various things will come to our life to receive them as gifts of the divine grace. Um, these gifts uh, may be apparently pleasant. These gifts may be painful. But to receive them in the spirit of resignation to God. So all these things are as prashad from the divine mother. So all, I mean knowing with this, uh, this idea or this faith that all these things are ultimately going to help me on the journey. Rather than revolting, complaining, why mother has given me this? Why is she doing this to me? So faith is implicit in any kind of resignation to the will of God. Uh, that well, uh, the divine mother knows, she knows everything about me, she knows about my situation, circumstances and everything else. And if this has come to me, let me receive it as a grace. The mother says that when difficulties come, you should take it as a grace. And indeed it will turn out to be so. We realize it later, sometimes after a few years, having gone through some of these difficulties, that oh, this was a wonderful grace because it cleansed many things, purified so much and gave me a new boost in the aspiration which seemed to be submerged that time. Suddenly it burst forth. So equanimity along with aspiration is another very key practice. Uh, then comes surrender. I am just holding on rejection for for a moment because they are all interconnected. Uh, surrender is basically that uh, we understand this much that whatever be my personal efforts, uh, however great a tapaswin one may be, but whatever effort one may put, ultimately it is the grace which will determine what will come out of it. So this surrender may start with, Ma, this life is yours, this uh, yoga which I feel called to. Uh, even one may say, I don't know, but um, but as Yobindu says, he who has been chosen by the he who chooses the infinite has been chosen by the infinite. So there should be no ambiguity about it. But yet there are moments when when doubt may come, clouding may come. That time surrender is a big help. Mother, I am yours. I belong to you. You carry me on the path. And yet one does some kind of an effort, tries to bring up the aspiration through everything. If if tears fall down. Uh, be it tears of blood, blood, dash them and offer them at the feet of the divine. If you offer them at the feet of the divine mother, surrender them to her feet, at her feet, they will turn into pulse of strength. This is the power of surrender. If uh, one has fallen, um, apparently, actually fallen word is very often misused in, uh, you know, fall from the path, that's what it means. It's not... Uh, falling in consciousness that happens because rise and fall of consciousness leading to different vrittis and aspects of nature is not fall from the path fall from the path is when one leaves the path deviates fully wanders somewhere else that's a rare thing fortunately but even there Shobindu says even if this has happened no upward effort is ever wasted and whatever one has done in one life it is there it remains not that therefore one should just wander away anywhere and one comes back and at some point picks up the thread with whatever difficulty. So uh, this rise and fall of consciousness, not fall in the way it is used. So all this will come and through all this we have to keep surrendering. So surrender is uh, required. We can only surrender when we are very honest with ourselves. There can be no surrender if we are not sincere. 
what it means is that well if i am not sincere i'll not see that there are things in me which are very dark they are shadow like elements there are things in me which resist and revolt against the divine there are things which are hiding in a corner which the mind is justifying the vital is justifying surrender implies laying all this thread bare so sincerity will go with aspiration and surrender much more so with surrender because sincerity will show us here this is it then what we have to do we have to offer to the divine the mother at one place says that do not try to be among the holies do not try to put up the show of a yogi it's so easy to deceive the world looking like a yogi but we can't deceive the divine and we should not deceive ourselves we should see ourselves what we are the way we are and then we once when this part is discovered by whatever means we should not be unhappy oh i have this also instead we should say good i have discovered this little chunk of darkness inside me and i offer it to the mother with a will to transform so what she says about it is that do not try to be among the holies rather bear your own burden of the anti divine the mother uses this word all of us this is what is meant in christianity as bearing your own cross so all of us have our own difficulties instead of wasting time in gossiping about other people's difficulties other people's problem we should look into our own we have our each one has his own uh, you know <laughs> bundle of issues so my bundle of issues may not be another person's problem so it's easy for me to see the other person's problem and for the other person to see mine because each one has their own unique shadow this shadow to to offer this shadow is one of the most important critical elements of the yoga so to discover the shadow requires sincerity one puts the will to throw it away and one also offers it to the divine mother now some of these shadows can get dissolved very fast because they are not shadows but patches of gray which are already opening to the light some with some difficulty go away but there are spots within us which completely remain closed tight they don't want to come out they don't want to surrender they want to uh, you know they just carry on with their own life their own independent existence cut off from the divine light so we should be very careful and we have to slowly take them out mother says like a pincer pick them up and throw them far and give it to the divine mother mother this is there hiding like a canker this little ambition here little this little lust here this little greed there this little fear all these so we have to remove them and surrender offer to the divine mother they will come back they have a tendency to come back some of them resistant part will come back a thousand maybe 10000 times and one has to persevere not give up never to say that well oh i have had enough of it i accept this never to accept the uh, irreparable as the mother says never to ex- accept the incurable because why mother mother says this that you know why do you people think your difficulty is insolvable because you do not have faith in the grace so we should have that faith in the grace that it is bound to cure us it is bound to heal us it is it is much more powerful it is infinity what the human difficulties however challenging can stand before the grace so surrender also implies trust and confidence in the divine 
If one doesn't have trust and confidence, we don't surrender. It's like any any time to anyone else. We don't just surrender to anyone. We need to have trust in the divine leading. So surrender, offering, trust, confidence in the grace. All these are movements which are all interconnected. And as I said, to persevere. The more we persevere, every time we'll see that the difficulty has become. Sometimes it may look as if it is rising up. Never to be uh, disturbed by this Asuri Maya. It may create clouds of darkness and one may think, Oh my God, I thought I have conquered it, but it has come in a much worse way. Not to be not to be discouraged. That's why the Gita says, Yoga is done with a glad and not a despondent heart. Never to let pessimism, despair, depression of any kind touch anywhere. Why? Because the infinite is our pilot. Our captain, he holds the rudder well. This lines from yesterday I was saying uh, from to R on a birthday, Shurvindu writes. He says that fear not for the storms that thunder, waves that swell. Always our captain holds the rudder well. He does not sleep. So these things will come. One, one should be ready. Because there are many areas in our nature. We, we are not even aware. But with persistence, persistent offering, surrender, trust, confidence, faith, perseverance, endurance, as, true aspiration, one goes through. So we spoke about equanimity at, at these levels. What is the true equanimity? The true equanimity comes from the soul. Indifference, endurance, resignation, stoic uh, bearing of things, philosophical calm are preparations, useful preparation. The equanimity of the soul is that regardless of whatever may happen, one remains undisturbed because one has opened the door inside and one can sit inside even if the house is going to, uh, you know, smithereens. So that's why the first thing in this yoga is to find the soul, the psychic being, first step. All these are aids and they go right through. They work all through. But the first step is to find the soul. But before we talk about it, one more thing along with aspiration, rejection, sincerity, surrender, equanimity is rejection. So what is rejection? What are we to reject? Well, few things outwardly also people often say nothing has to be left. What are we to reject? One thing we have to reject very importantly is hypocrisy. Mother says that all hypocrisy, show, sham, all this is so dangerous because it direct expression of falsehood. To pose oneself as something or someone, it's there in the outer world, but never to do that in yoga. So, hypocrisy is the first step. Mother speaks of it. She says, Supermind, the first thing he'll throw out of the window, she doesn't use the word throw out of the window, is hypocrisy. Then along with that, one has to also reject certain movements, certain habits where they are not good. For instance, uh, alcohol and drugs, smoking are definitely dangerous to yoga. Why? Because smoking attracts, smoking includes good car, tobacco. It attracts all kinds of negative energies. It's, it's a known thing, well known. All occultists know it. Uh, of course, if one is a smoker, keep offering. It's not like you are... One is barred from yoga if one smokes. There are people who used to smoke, used to drink, whom the mother kept and they continued. The call is the most important. Uh, 
it doesn't bar us it doesn't make us unfit for the yoga but it'll make the aadhar weak and therefore even if we find the divine by some uh, fiat of the supreme yet we'll find a weak aadhar through which manifesting the divine will be very difficult because smoking makes us restless smoking makes us excited irritable it attracts all kinds of negative forces so also with alcohol drugs of course they completely they can throw us into the lower vital states mother spoke about it very dark states and sometimes illusorily happy states which are actually dark state but they are an illusion of the asuric maya so these things are um, best not taken then there is also politics why politics because politics is a very dark field here truth and falsehood are so badly mixed mother speaks of politics and uh, f- uh, the the money part as the most resistant to uh, the higher truth so does it mean that i'll have no views no of course one will have views does it mean one will not be a patriot of course patriotism is can be very much part of the yogic life shobindo and the mother both have mentioned uh, does it mean that i'll not go for vote no that is part of the legal process and one should participate in that does it mean i'll not feel myself engaged in whatever good is happening in the country yes by all means i'll not appreciate when some particular party is doing something good fine but don't become so much engaged in that party and its politics even the best of party because all parties ultimately even the best will be partisan it will represent a facet and we have to come out of a facet and look beyond every facet so we have to get the mind read of so politics is the third thing and the fourth thing that the mother and shubindo have spoken of is sexual intercourse now we have to again understand it's not like the moment people read it they start fighting with sexuality it's a long process there is a way towards it the first is sanyama regulate don't let the sexual impulse become unbridled perverted chaotic but it has to be gradually regulated sanyama then nigraha then persistent offering it may take long sometimes very long we see letters of shervinder and the mother one is not to be disheartened because these things are rooted in the biological system not to ever get into guilt guilt has no place in yoga zero place guilt belongs to the ordinary world as the mother has said but one persist one tries one various ways i have given a talk on that fully uh, basically to not to be thinking about it oh i have to conquer sex oh i have to conquer sex then one is constantly thinking about sex stay busy do lot of physical exercise so that by the time you come to bed you are tired basically night is the time when all these forces attack try to avoid situations where this impulse may come up uh, that's why in certain situations meeting uh, man and woman meeting alone uh can be very dangerous so there are some basic rules you know which uh, um, are okay in society at large it's fine nothing wrong it's not about morally right or wrong we are not here to pass a moral judgment but from spiritual point of view it can create too much of excitement in the being and if persisted in then it can lead the consciousness it can remain tied to the lower chakra sex is right from the muladhar so it will not allow the further sublimation of the uh, energy from the muladhar changing the sexual energy which is retas into tejas tejas into 
um, you know, ojas, ojas into virias. So that's why it is important. But it's not with guilt, not with moral ideas, but with his spiritual consciousness, spiritual understanding. It's not, it's bad or good. In ordinary life, it has its place and it can be a very beautiful place in ordinary human relationship, uh, completing or fulfilling an inner uh, sense of love. But in yogic life, one has to understand what it means. So these are the four external things, primarily which the mother and Shirobindu speak about. Then there are plenty of inner things which we have to reject. What are the inner things? Obviously, the minds, all kinds of ideas, opinions, viewpoints. So every time we read something from the mother, no, no, but this cannot be. I'll give you one example. There was a congress of <laughs> vegetarian congress. So mother was asked for a message. And the mother didn't give a message. So one month passed, two months passed. Again they asked. So mother said, you know why? She says the disciple. When I, uh, first time, I, I had a very strong message to give, but I withheld it. Because they will be shocked. So the message that came to her was like a blow. Stop making fuss and eat meat. <laughs> now this may have sounded like a campaign for meat, but it was not a campaign for meat. Many of the yogis, which include Swami Vivekananda, it includes the Vishis, they didn't make a fuss about eating. It drops off. As the consciousness grows, many of these gross tendencies, which include spicy food, which is part of the Rajasik food, like meat. Of course, there we can have a balance in food that well. Uh, in Indian thought, there is uh, something very interesting that uh, meat of uh, animals which are four-legged because they are a little more developed in consciousness. Uh, you are not supposed to eat that. But uh, chicken people have taken. You know, It's a question of consciousness. But the mother says there also, egg and the chicken, there is a story that it, it uh, that consciousness goes inside us and can make us restless. So, one has to understand these things not from a moral standpoint, but from the yogic standpoint. And still, that is not what one should be making so much fuss about. One should be rather uh, thinking about how to advance on the path. So, this rejection, negative movements have their place. They are an important part of the yoga. But uh, mainly 30% of the yoga energy should be directed towards it. The 70% should be directed in the positive movement. So, but there is the mental concept. People find it very difficult to understand. They think that if I am a vegetarian, if I don't drink and smoke, I am already a yogin. No sir, you may be as much attached to non-drinking. You may be as much attached and judgmental about somebody taking meat. So, uh, this yoga with white dress and organics, do it by all means. Don't mix it up with spiritual life and yogic life. Which goes way, way, way beyond these things. So there are many ideas, opinions, viewpoints. Uh, for instance, if, if many people are being killed in a certain kind of a uh, situation. Oh, what is God doing? Where is he? Uh, these people can never understand the Mahabharata and what Krishna stood for. So uh, one has to learn to be have the calm vision. These mental ideas, conceptions... Um, even about practice of yoga, oh, tell us something external to do, all these things are going to create more and more confusion. Only when the mind becomes quiet, it is ready to receive the true knowledge. It gets rid of all its conceptions, which are either limited conceptions or mis misconceptions. They become even false conception when we aggrandize it and think that is the only thing. So all these conceptions, ideas, viewpoints, opinions 
one has to gradually surrender and one of the best ways to get rid of them is by reading mother and shobindu <laughs> then you automatically receive that true thing for the mind immediately and if one has sufficient surrender one obviously says out go these other opinions that i held so long and come in all this new knowledge which is pouring in then the emotions emotions also have these double movement there is a true emotion which consists in giving oneself and there is the distortions of emotions which includes you know uh, to take to want to to cling to something to to depend upon to have that restlessness all these are not um, right movements of emotion so whereas the true movement of a steady inner flame of love it's beautiful it can exist between human beings of course But human relationship friendship care affection are not barred in yoga there is a whole letter of shobindo in fact shobindo says they are part of the completeness that we seek so care for instance flows from the psychic tender feelings flow from the psychic affection flows from the psychic but when it becomes attachment attachment is where i value something for my sake for the advantage that i am getting out of it that must go whereas when we love something for the sake of something when we love people love for in their beautiful parts see their beauty don't see their defects and other things then we begin to love people psychically and that's something very beautiful and similarly in the vital especially the lower vital all these movements of ambition lust greed fear uh, they are obviously they pull us down and keep us tied to the lower nature and one has to get rid of them now all this is a long process and one should not start engaging in this negative fight one has to as and when they arise one has to quietly and calmly through the will push them sometime one can make a formation or an imagination that a light is coming and dissolving it Uh, it's an imagination but all these things help or call mother's name or turn the mind away when such movements arise or get busy read something go for a run whatever way and then pray that mother release me from these uh, these darknesses these negative things these things that i must reject out of the system and the physical consciousness also laziness obscurity refusal to understand doubts inertia so all this is part of the rejection part it is the most difficult part of the yoga unfortunately many people get start getting engaged with it this madan shrivinda have said very clearly is not the main part of the work it it is important you have to leave certain things behind it's called as the negative work 30% 20% 30% of the energy should be for that but 70 80% should be for the forward movement the upward movement for instance supposing one has been overtaken by a wave of uh, impulse of sexuality or anger then what does one do next not lament over it and spend hours of energy trying to get rid of it instead one should get up and aspire so aspiration surrender these are the key and cornerstones of the movement so these are the aspiration rejection surrender are the three main movements along with equanimity sincerity um endurance faith trust confidence in the divine perseverance patience because it takes long this is the important part what about some physical practices uh, well yes uh, meditation and concentration are very much part of the yoga 
So in this yoga, one can concentrate either in the heart or in the head or above the head. On what should we concentrate upon? On the image of the Divine Mother, Mother and Shirobindo or simply the Mother. Uh, or one can concentrate upon um, something like the sun uh, because sun directly represents the supramental but my personal of course choice is on the mother and then one concentrates with the mother's name ma 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 and as one tries to go within mind will start throwing because of attachments mind will start leading us here there again come back again come back by persistent practice one day concentration becomes easy nothing comes without persistent practice so it's not something again which develops in a day concentrate in the center of the heart in the chest don't worry about which spot spot is already fixed for us and the consciousness will be pulled that side on the image of the divine mother on her presence on her love on her light on her peace or concentrate in the mind and call peace 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 to create a beautiful basis silence quietude on the mother's presence or above the head somewhere above the head on mother's presence or all of them together or two of them together now it generally in this yoga it's not like prolonged periods of concentration then one begins to become otherworldly so maybe 20 minutes to 30 minutes twice or thrice a day i am almost prescribing it like <laughs> medicine but yeah that's how it is so morning afternoon and night one can make it 20 minutes in the beginning it may be 10 minutes just calling mother's name if one can do nothing but 20 to 30 minutes is a good time three times a day should be enough to create a background consciousness but the hours of concentration have to be compensated with work because in work all the aspects of nature concentration and meditation takes the consciousness inside and it leads to uh, discovery of the divine no doubt but then there are other parts in nature uh, which have to be tested retested molded forged uh, so that they can become uh, instrument for expression of the divine otherwise one finds the divine but there the instrument is not ready so in that all the standard practices of karma yoga come in so first step is nishkam karma one does the work but without any reward now this reward may be either physical monetary etc or it can be subtle name or some kind of recognition so all this one has to each time it arises one has to set it aside then in karma yoga there is also this remembering and offering to the divine one has to remember initially with the mind that okay in the beginning i am giving this work to the mother i am giving up my day to the mother as one wakes up and at night that ma take care of my sleep i am offering my sleep to you and at the end of the work with gratitude whatever work which includes all actions including taking a bath and all else that we do in the bathroom so everything has to be offered but slowly this offering becomes a way of life there is a background consciousness which develops and one doesn't have to mentally think and remember an offer it is living constantly as if under the very gaze of the divine mother one knows she is there watching over us so all our activities are turned towards her so that's how the whole thing develops so remember an offer and equanimity all these things are part of the karma yoga so as one does them Uh, slowly the consciousness becomes thinner and thinner and finally as i said yesterday 
The last aspect which is important is love for the divine. Bhakti. But love for the divine is very easy to say but very difficult. It means all other love. So the question there arises which we will touch upon then we will pause. Is what about other loves? We already love so many people in our life. So what do we do with them? There we have to start loving them uh, not as as if we are possessing them, that is mine, but as aspects of the divine, that the divine is in them, to love them without expectation, to love them selflessly, doesn't mean that we'll cater to every demand made by the other person, certainly not. That will be a foolish ignorance, to do what is the right thing, but to love them without any kind of agitation, without any expectation, without any desire, to help them grow together, because uh, all all the love that we need, we are receiving from the divine. And then it will not only be confined to people in our life. There will be some people always in our life which are closer because of destiny and various reasons. But there should also be a wide universal love. So love towards all creatures, love towards plants, animals and everything. Love towards even material objects should be dealt with very consciously and with love because they also contain consciousness in them. They also have the divine presence in them. So this love will slowly become universal. And uh, we will be, since we will be open to the mother's love, we won't need love from anyone outside. So we will become givers rather than takers. But givers in the most beautiful way, not givers ignorantly, not becoming martyrs, but doing what is the true thing, what is the right thing, and just as in karma yoga, obeying the divine impulsion, divine will rather than desire. Uh, similarly in love also, to give under the impulsion of the divine, under the will of the divine. And not uh, meaninglessly, just you know, because in love the urge to give comes very automatically and naturally. So uh, this is the big landscape, these are the processes, they go on as we can see throughout the day and night. And again next morning and so on and so forth. For days and weeks and months and years. And slowly as a result of it, something begins to grow within us. A presence in the heart, a flame in the heart. And the doors of the psychic begin to open. And when that happens, we have crossed one crucial stage of the yoga. The most important stage. All these things will lead us to the psychic discovery. That is the door through which we can discover the divine. So all our aspirations should be for the divine. But... When we do all these things, they will help us ultimately in the discovery of the psychic door. And when we discover that door passing through it, because that's the door which leads us to the divine, even to the central being. So, when we discover the divine within, the presence within, what shall I say? <laughs> Life is truly beautiful. Life becomes true, harmonious, beautiful, uplifted. Tranquil, divine. So, any questions? Sir, just one clarification about this Namaskar. Namaskar. About the, we say that the body, the human flesh, is water, fire, and clay which is again translated into light and everything for them was is a vibration. Just can you explain this? 
uh, what is the source of this? Uh, this body is fire and clay. Water plus fire plus clay. Basically, panch tattu. Is that perhaps you are referring to? Now, yeah. So, panch tattu includes other things also. Body is also earth as well as space, uh, ether. So, basically, it will lead us to the uh, Sankhya doctrine as to how matter is formed. So, basically, these are five fundamental forces in the universe. The first is etheric ether, which creates space. So, this ether is like a continuous expanse of the first primal vibration. Let's say the Nad, Om. It's spreading, spreading and you know, as it, because spreading it needs a medium. So, it's the subtlest aspect of matter which is space. That is the first element. But that doesn't create forms. Whole play is about names and forms. So, this uh, etheric vibration modifies itself and becomes the aerial, Vayu Tattva. So, Vayu Tattva means now, let's say this in this star vibration which is spreading, there are some shob. Shob is the word used in Hindi, as if there is a disturbance. But it's not a disturbance, it's a modification. So, it gets modified and there is a seemingly clash of different waves. Now, as they clash, some forms begin to emerge, but they are not stable forms. So, out of this clash and friction, the third element modifying the aerial, there is only one substance, but modifying the aerial, it becomes the fire. Now, fire, tattva, it is the heat and the light which is born from this clash and this starts becoming like a nucleus around which certain forms can form and stay for a while. But again, these forms cannot endure. So, this fiery element further cools down as we see what happened on earth and it becomes uh, more like a water. So, this water flows and we see now certain forms, flowing forms, fluid forms can form. But even this does not create solid forms. So, then it out of water, it gets modified and the uh, earth element of Prithvi Tattva is, uh, emerges. So, there is one substance which is uh, of course from the divine, but it gets modified to have this creation which is um, you know, filled with many forms. So, in earth, all forms will have these five elements. But says the form of the gods will have very little of Prithvi Tattva. Everywhere we will see this Panch Tattva. So, we will see this um, Prithvi element very less in the uh, vital world forms and in the forms of the mental world, in the forms of the gods. You will see more and more the Jalatattva in the lower vital uh, creatures. That's why Jalpari and mermaids and all those story spirits inhabiting these uh, places. Then in the higher vital worlds, we'll see more of these, uh, uh, you know, in the thought worlds, we'll see more of aerial forms, the gods, more of the fire tattva. And finally, the divine, pure etheric space, when it takes a form. So, but all of the tattvas are there, but they are subordinated. This is the way uh, creation, Nama Rupa is explained. From Shurabindo's yoga point of view, in all these, ultimately they have all emerged from the uh, one who is beyond all the five elements, from whom all the five elements have emerged. So, right now, these elements are combined in a certain way so as to create a mortal body. So, the body is subject to disintegration and death. But if we see the form of the gods, they are immortal. That's an interesting part. So, these forms also can be modified and recombined in such a way. 
that even the physical body can escape from the law of death. So that of course elaborating it further will be a whole talk <laughs> but that's the basic meaning of it. Yes. One question about artificial intelligence and uh, rituals. <laughs> uh, I have given several talks on it. Uh, rituals, Bahya um, Puja, they are required for man at a stage of evolution. And uh, there are two kinds of rituals, let's say. That one is when person cannot connect within, then external aid, as an external aid, when he actually physically offers the flower, physically offers the agarbatti, uh, with the thought that this is, an offering to God. It is a good way to connect oneself to the divine uh, who is within. But if it is done just meaninglessly, rituals can be done meaninglessly, then it doesn't carry that kind of force or power. Uh, it becomes more like a belief, like, you know, every day I must pray at a certain time. Where So meaningless rituals are uh, not that they have no force, but very little force. So they should be done more consciously. But as we grow within, we can easily dispense with them because we don't need them to connect with the divine presence within. But then we may still do it, but now no more to connect, but to discover the divine in various ways, in various forms. So uh, these are this much about uh, rituals and about artificial intelligence. Well, <laughs> man is uh, doing all kinds of things. Uh, but one thing I can say is that the uh, the fact that artificial intelligence has come, it's a sign that mind has reached its peak development. It is able to create a replica of itself. Now, if it doesn't engage in spiritual evolution, it will end up destroying itself. So, it is a time that we, just as scientists are engaged in AI, artificial intelligence, we should hasten for DI, divine intelligence. <laughs> Then we can use these machines and instruments. Otherwise, there have been civilizations very developed, our own Mahabharata times, then Lanka, then Atlantis, uh, the Greek, uh, they all collapsed because the external technology developed at the expense of the inner growth. So, if the inner growth develops, inner growth has no limits. AI will always have limits. Limits set by the human mind itself. Uh, but if the DI develops, even a spiritual intelligence develops, then all these things can be used in a nice way. But right now, the balance is heavily tilted <laughs> in favor of AI, which is dangerous. So, yes. Thank you. Okay. So, James... What we can also do is that, you know, as I am happy that uh, some people have put questions on the WhatsApp group you have created. So they can uh, continue. Uh, we can stop it only when naturally the questions die off. So please feel free to, because, you know, talks cannot touch every aspect or every detail. So please feel free to put any kind of question without any hesitation. Thank you. Thank yeah. You. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Thank you, everyone, for participating. We meet tomorrow. Yes.